What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of California Underground. I'm here with my co-host, Camille. How are you doing tonight, Camille? Good. Thank you. How are you, Phil? I'm excellent for a rainy uh, Thursday night here in San Diego. We're getting hit with that bomb cyclone off the Pacific Coast. Is it raining that much up in Orange County as well? Your audio just cut out. Did, did I cut out? No, you didn't cut out. Okay. Can you still hear me? Yes, I can hear you. But I okay. missed whatever you said after rain. Oh, I asked if there was a lot of rain up in Orange County as well. Absolutely. We love it. We have no way to store it. <laughs> it's all running off into the ocean. <laughs> another, uh, another topic for another day. Another topic for another day. A bill we're not going to cover because there was no bill to address that specific uh, concern. Uh, but the point of tonight's podcast is we're going to be talking a lot about new bills are going into effect. So these are bills that were obviously went through the legislature last year. They were signed into law by Gavin Newsom. Um, I think we got a number, according to this Cal Matters article, they passed around 1,200 bills and nearly 1,000 became law, thanks to Gavin Newsom. So there were 1,000 new laws. We're not going to cover all 1,000. We're going to try and Just hit sort of the highlights. We're maybe like, like 500. Okay. Yeah, like, okay, sounds yeah. good. We'll, we'll, we don't want it to go on too long. Um, we're going to try okay. and do the, the highlights, some of the ones that are probably the most impactful, some that are typical California that are just kind of silly and show you like when a legislature thinks we have to pass laws, they come up with all sorts of laws that they need to pass, whether they needed to pass them or not. But mm -hmm. it just show that they uh, are doing their job or pretending to do their job. So the question is, is which one do we start off with? Do we start off with uh like heavy or do we start off with like a lighter one to kind of ease into it and then we'll get into the more heavy ones what's your thoughts let's start light okay let's start then with uh the one that i you sent me an article right before we came on a little bit ago which was about jaywalking and jaywalking contrary to popular belief has not been decriminalized it has been uh, neutered in a sense of how strict they can be on jaywalking. So the law used to be if you crossed in a area of the street that was not a crosswalk, a police officer could come over and give you a ticket for jaywalking. I don't think I've ever seen anyone actually get a ticket for jaywalking. I certainly have never gotten a ticket for jaywalking. I see people running across the street all the time. No one's ever gotten a ticket for jaywalking. This must have been a huge issue that the California legislature spent time and our tax dollars on writing a law and passing this law that would reduce the likelihood that you would get a ticket for jaywalking, correct? Correct. This was authored by someone in San Francisco, right? I believe so. Yeah, it was it was he was very ad, like adamant about this law and. Um, let me see if I can pull it up, but you had sent me the whole article and it was interesting how it went from, it was all about jaywalking. We think it's kind of dumb that people get tickets for jaywalking. We're going to kind of reduce that. And in the article it took about seven paragraphs before they made it all about equality and all that stuff. And they kind of rolled it all into the San Francisco speech of it's all about equality and this, that, and the other thing. And, um, not shockingly enough. But so the new law 
The Freedom it's to not... Walk Act. That's what they call What's it. That? Freedom to the Freedom to Walk Act. The Freedom to Walk Act. As if you didn't have freedom to walk before, California has now made it even easier for you to walk with freedom. Um, they gave us that freedom. They gave us. Sorry, thank, I'm talking over you. <laughs> thank you, California, for giving us the freedom to walk. Uh, the new law does not decriminalize jaywalking altogether. And funny story, I was on the way back from court this morning and I was in the car with an Uber driver and uh, he was a very sassy Uber driver and we were driving up Fifth Avenue in San Diego and guy runs across the street and Uber driver starts honking at him, swearing at him, which I was like, oh, that's odd for an Uber driver. Okay. And I said, well, you know, now it's, uh, now it's not legal to do jaywalking <laughs> in, in California. And he got very defensive about it. And he's like, no, actually, you can still get a ticket. It just has to be when it's like a not safe area. I was like, oh, okay, excuse me. He like kind of yelled at me about it. And I was like, all right, buddy, you're really up on this law. But that's ex- kind of what it is. The police have discretion now. If you're crossing in an area that is deemed to be an immediate hazard, then you can get a ticket. So if it's on like a busy highway or a busy street and you're jaywalking, then you can get a ticket. And I think it starts at, hold on to your hats here, $20. That's the ticket that you might get for jaywalking. Okay. Okay. Um, if it's an immediate hazard, wouldn't you just get hit by the car? I guess it's not that immediate. I guess it's immediate. <laughs> okay. Well, this was one thing that the guy who wrote the bill came up with. He said, it's kind of a gray area of how does a law enforcement enforce this? Because what's an immediate area or what's immediate hazard? What's dangerous area? All that sort of thing. Um, and his point was that there are neighborhoods in California that don't have crosswalks. I find that crazy that there are neighborhoods in California that don't have crosswalks, but I think that's more an they indictment. probably... Of- those areas probably don't have a lot of cars either. Yeah. If you don't have crosswalks, it's probably not a super busy area. Um, but that's, that was his whole thing was that it it is kind of like subjective. Again, I had, I've never heard of anyone getting a ticket for jaywalking. I'd like to see like, who was the last person who actually got a ticket for jaywalking in California? I bet you could find that pretty easily. Um, but it's just not something I think the police are out in force worried about jaywalking. Do you want to talk really briefly about the history of jaywalking and where did it come from? Because <laughs> this is go ahead. Do you have the article in front of you? Uh, no, because I heard the story before. So when they went into it, I was oh, like, okay. okay, I remember the story. Uh, okay. The the law came on to the books. I think it was they said L.A., but I thought it was New York when the automobile first came out. Obviously, the streets of like New York weren't full of cars because cars were a relatively new thing. Um, So people would kind of like walk around. They would treat the streets like we walk here. The horses walk here. Um, Then automobiles came around and automobiles were like, well, we need to get through. And you have all these dumb people walking on the street and we need to get through. Uh, The term J was actually a slang term for an idiot back then. So 
they would call it jaywalking, meaning you're an idiot walking in the street. Uh, but the law itself was pushed by a lot of automobile lobbyists who wanted to kind of take over the roads because it would make it easier for drivers to get down the roads. Um, so this law basically came about thanks to the wonderful practice that is lobbying. Uh, the auto manufacturers were able to get that passed. And then once there was jaywalking laws, now the police could go out and every time you were walking across the street where you weren't supposed to, they could issue a lot of tickets and that stopped people from walking. So that's why we have jaywalking laws. Okay. Uh, one of the quotes from the article that I sent you was from assembly member Phil Ting, who authored the bill. And mm -hmm. uh, he said, it's still technically illegal to cross the street in the middle of the street, but we're directing law enforcement not to cite people unless there's an immediate hazard. Okay. Mm -hmm. I get that. But I feel like after reading that quote, that this is kind of like another police don't have the right to do that. And now it's, you know, yet another thing that can easily be challenged in court for $20. Yeah. I don't think it's that uh, important. I, again, I don't think it's really that big of a deal that uh, we needed to address it. Uh, but I guess it was big enough of a deal that somebody in the legislature said, I'm going to write a bill to kind of weaken jaywalking. Um, so that's the jaywalking law. So in case anybody says it's not illegal anymore, you have one more point on that. Well, okay, so I sent you the article a few days ago, OC Register, on December 30th, published an article that uh, in the five years ending December 31st, 2021, 375 pedestrians were killed by vehicles in Orange County. And then in the article that we were just talking about a minute ago, uh, in Los Angeles County, from January to September 2022, 106 pedestrians have been killed by drivers. Hmm. So I thought so. that was interesting that, like, they want to ease up on this. But at the same time, I am all for easing up on laws because why did we need a thousand more last year? Yeah, and this is just one out of 1,000. And uh, obviously, that was the most important bill we were going to cover tonight. So thank you, everyone, <laughs> for listening. We'll see, we'll see you on the next one. Uh, no, that's not, not nearly... Yeah, don't jaywalk. That's the end of the story. Uh, all right, let's move on to another one. Um, now everyone's an expert on what jaywalking is and, and whether it's illegal or not. What's the next one that you want to move on to? Well, regarding light laws, you mentioned the bicycle law. Yes. And it was important to you. Tell us why. Uh, okay, so we'll we'll do another second light one to keep the mood kind of light for now because we get into some heavier laws uh from what i understand is the law is now that if you are driving down the street and there's a bicyclist in your lane you have to get over an entire lane to get around that bicyclist you can no longer just kind of like scoot around them and kind of like just kind of ride the the, the road or like the the line um you have to get over an entire lane uh, this bugs me because where I work in downtown San Diego, they have taken huge chunks of the avenues, taken all the parking away, and they have created specific bike lanes. Now, I know not every road has a bike lane. 
Um, but there have been numerous times. And there was one egregious time that I was driving home from work. There was a bicyclist in the middle of the car lane, not the bicycle lane. Now there's a lane off to the side specifically for bicyclists because they've been complaining about it and whining for it forever. They get their own lane. They're still riding the middle of the lane down this avenue. Maybe this is just sour grapes, but at what point do we just admit defeat and say that the bicyclists now own the roads? We can never, if you're driving a car, it's, you're, you know, you're going to be obsolete pretty soon. And it's just going to be the bicyclists are going to rule everything. I feel like that's where we're going is like the bicyclists get all the, the benefits in the world. They get all the free passes, but they never have to actually listen to any rules of the road anymore. Um, that's how I feel. And I feel like this is just another one of those rules. It's like, okay, yeah, sure. Let's just give more leeway to the bicyclists. Um, because that's what we're all trying to strive for is riding our bikes to work. Well, they're saving the earth. So they should have special privileges. Well, pretty soon the 405 is going to be like just all bicyclists and just cars like trying to like get around them. But like the bicyclists will be like in all eight lanes and you won't be able to get around them because there won't be any free lanes. That'll be the next thing. Well, no, you just wait. Soon they will add a clause for this. It will be amended and they will say electric vehicles are exempt from that law. They don't have oh. to switch lanes. They'll just like, you're allowed because you're also saving the environment. So you get the same privileges. So if someone's driving a Tesla, they can just run them right over. Well, not yet, but coming soon, I'm sure. I mean, soon they will, they will do that. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's just another one of those laws. That I'm like, <laughs> I, I can't believe this is that important. I guess it was important to someone in the legislature. Um, also I just have a problem with bicyclists because in my neighborhood, they ride down the sidewalks all the time. And when I'm trying to walk my dog, it really freaks her out. And she like starts going crazy because there's a bike coming at her. And I don't blame her. It's a big, scary bicyclist when you're a little dog. Um, but they just, they don't listen. They don't go on the roads like they're supposed to. They ride on the sidewalks when they're not supposed to. They don't use the lanes when they're supposed to. Like if you're going to give all these benefits to bicyclists, why don't you actually also put in some like penalties for these bicyclists of like, okay, we've given you this lane. We've given you all these rules. We've given you all these protections, but guess what? You have to follow the rules of the road. You have to go with traffic. You can't be on a sidewalk. You'll get pulled over if you're doing this wrong, and we're going to give you a ticket starting at $20. I think if you can't beat them, join them. I think you need to get a bike with a basket for Winnie. Okay. You know she would like that. <laughs> I don't know how she'd feel, feel about that. Actually, she loves car rides, so she might actually sit in a basket on a bike. See? See? Um, I'm just but saying. I, yeah, I, I would not. I don't think I'd want to join them. I don't think I can make my commute on a bicycle. It'd take me three hours to get downtown, but I get a hell of a workout in that's for sure. So anyway, all right, next, next law, let's go a little bit more serious now. Cause this isn't all about like okay. the silly laws that happen in California. Uh, well, I what's think a, it's important. Sorry. I was going to go say, ahead. I just what, think it's important to, these are our elected officials and this is what they're working on. So it's important to point that out because yeah, we're laughing about it, but they're getting paid to do this. So, they're getting paid a lot of ahead. money to write these laws. Yeah. Um, 
They're getting their per diems. They're getting their salaries. They're getting their benefits. And this is what they're writing laws for is bicyclists and lanes. Um, all right, let's do a heavy one. Um, okay. What's a heavy one that you want to, you think we should do? You choose. I chose the first two. Okay. Um, let's see. I'm kind of looking at this article and seeing what else we have. Oh boy. Um, there's so many. We already went over bicyclists. Let's talk about, let's go real serious. We're going from bicycles to abortion. Let's talk about the okay. abortion law that passed AB 2223. Okay. Uh, it protects a woman or pregnant person okay. uh, who chooses to end a pregnancy from prosecution, even if the abortion is self-induced or happens outside the medical system. It also abolishes the requirement that coroners investigate stillbirths and protect someone who helps a pregnant person end their pregnancy voluntarily from criminal or civil liability. Hmm. So we already had, we talked about last time, we talked about uh, Prop 1 passing. So there's now a constitutional right that protects the right to abortion. You have this law that just passed that basically says you cannot go after someone criminally or civilly uh, for self-induced or abortions that happen outside the medical system. Um, so basically there are no restrictions on abortions at all at this point. And even if you want a abortion that is not safe or not medically sanctioned, that's okay too. And no one can criminally prosecute you. Is that what I'm taking is, away from this? Is that there's something in there about also the person assisting with the abortion is exempt from criminal? Yes. Anybody yes. who is okay. assisting with this also will not be criminally liable. Okay. So there could be people performing abortions or helping to perform abortions. Uh, and if they're not medically licensed or anything, they could still not be liable under this law. I see lawsuits coming for that one because an, a, an abusive baby daddy, whether it's spouse, boyfriend, domestic mm. partner, whatever you want to call it, um, who doesn't want the baby, which is often obviously a crisis pregnancy, is that like a woman isn't supported. And that's one reason why they would seek abortion, but they may be trying to get away. He may want the abortion and she doesn't. They perform the abortion via abusive matters and then claim that they were just assisting in it. And then it's his word against hers kind of thing. That's actually a really good point. I hadn't thought of that. Um, yeah, because if it's outside uh, of medical practices, then yeah. I mean, I guess you can't be criminally or civilly liable for trying to help perform an abortion. Right. Like, I mean, I know I think in extremes I do, but like, where do we draw the line on this? There's no line obviously with abortion is just free for all at this point. And, uh, I think it's interesting that they passed that because they also passed SB 1375, which is mm -hmm. uh, a new law that will give qualified nurse practitioners and certified nurse midwives the ability to perform first trimester abortions in California without the supervision of a physician. What was the point in <laughs> passing that law if we just let anybody do abortions? Like it seems yeah. like there was no point. So before existing law requires uh, if a physician was not in attendance at the delivery of the fetus, existing law requires 
the fetal death to be handled as a death without medical attendance. This bill would delete the requirement that a coroner would hold inquests for death related to or following known or suspected self-induced or criminal abortion and would delete the requirement that an unintended fetal death be handled as a death without medical attendance. So to your scenario before, prior to this bill, if it was done outside of medical attendance, it would be classified as a death, like a homicide. Now they've taken away that requirement. So it, you're right. It is basically a free for all at this point under this bill. So anyone can do it and anyone can, um, anyone can perform or assist or do anything. And they're not really going to be civilly liable. I'm not really sure what the point of this is, is other than to say that California is the most free state when it comes to abortions and like how freely you can get abortions. And I, I, why would you even need to go through this process outside of medical attendance when, as we've discussed before, there are plenty of clinics and places that will help that are taxpayer funded here in California that will assist and do it for you if you can't pay for it. And that was, I guess, one of the laws with uh, SB 1375 or one of the reasons is because Allegedly, not all counties have um, abortion clinics, so this will enable easier access. But now, if we're yeah. enabling easier access, why do we need to be okay with self-induced? Because, okay, obviously, I'm against abortion, like I've said that many times, but I don't want women hurting themselves. Like, we, we shouldn't. Nobody should want women hurting themselves in the process of yeah. a self-induced abortion. That's... Yeah. I mean, this basically legalizes the nightmare scenario that the left is always crying about, which is, well, if you outlaw abortion or make it extremely hard to get, women will just go to back alleys and get like coat hanger abortions. Right. This actually sounds like it legalizes the back alley coat hanger abortions because there's really no liability for anyone who can wants wants to assist outside of medical attendance. So California has legalized this back alley way of doing it. And to me that that sounds kind of strange that they told the right or people in Republican states that passed a lot of these heartbeat bills 15 weeks. Well, now all these women are just going to go get illegal abortions. Yet California is now allowing illegal and unsafe abortions and no one's going to be held criminally liable. So they've created their own nightmare scenario in bypassing this bill. Right. Yeah. Is there a a term limit on this? Like, is it any week of pregnancy up to birth? Uh, Like what do you know? I saw something. (laughs) Pregnant. And of course, they have to put in performed by a person, then the pregnant person. person. As if, of course, that makes literally no sense. Uh, Bill Rogers, bring civil action. It doesn't really say. Um, do, 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 do. Who wrote this bill? Because this is dripping with Bay Area gobbledygook language. It's got to be. Who wrote this has got to be like, I, let me see. Oh yeah. Makes sense. Buffy Wicks. 
Yeah. Buffy Wicks is uh, almost, I, I would probably say on the level of radical as Scott Wiener, she doesn't get nearly enough attention, which I think is a shame. I think Scott Wiener gets a lot more attention because a lot of what he pushes seems to be stuff involving your children. So obviously he gets a lot more of the fire, but the stuff that she pushes is, this is absolutely awful. Um, it says reproductive justice is the human right to control our body, sexuality, gender, work, and reproduction. That right can only be achieved when all people, particularly women and girls, have oh, women and girls. What about all pregnant people? That's not very I inclusive. Feel like that's like a, a derogatory term now. How dare she say just women and girls? I thought men could get pregnant too. Uh, the Joker got pregnant in the new comic book. That was the whole hubbub today, if you saw that. Has the complete economic, social, and political power and resources to make healthy decisions about their bodies, families, and communities in all areas of lives. At the core of the reproductive justice is the belief that in the right to bodily autonomy, the right to have children, the right to not have children, the right to parent the children, we have dignity and respect in safe and sustainable communities. Now, again, I don't want to go down. We've, we've talked about this before, and we'll save it for another time. But I love that they always put in here the right to have children is what we're after and protecting. And you and I both know that California, they don't really care about you having children. They don't want you to have children. They want you to not have children. Um, bu -bu 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 -bu. But if you do, take them to drag shows at your local public school. Yeah. If you Sorry. do have children, just let you know that the state does own them. You have no say over that. Uh, across the country, people have been criminally prosecuted for having miscarriages or stillbirths or for self-managing an abortion. I don't want to know what a self-manage, how you self-manage an abortion, um, but it sounds awful. That just sounds, I mean, that sounds criminal in my mind, but it's no longer criminal in, in California. Um, I'm trying to find. Can I can I say this? I don't know. If I'm, I don't want to get you shut down, but it is utter bullshit that they keep saying that women are getting uh, criminalized for having miscarriages. I'm so tired of that argument. Go on. Are we still here? <laughs> I don't know if like you curse words. No, it is. It's just nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. Nobody, nobody is getting criminalized for having an abortion that has never or not sorry, for having a miscarriage that has never happened. Yeah, that's a weird spontaneous miscarriage. Like it's just. Yeah, I I it's... don't think I've ever heard of a story of someone going to jail for a miscarriage. Like that doesn't. Um, but no, it, it doesn't. I, not, it, no. There's here. no example not. in my mind of someone who's been criminally prosecuted for miscarriages or stillbirths, for that matter. Like who's been criminally right. prosecuted for a stillbirth or a miscarriage to say you had intent on you know ending this the the life of this baby and self-managing abortion that's different you have intent you're trying to yeah that's you killed your baby yeah you had the intent to there was something living in you and you killed it so you didn't yeah that's that's very frustrating to me miscarriages spontaneous miscarriages to be correct are so common. They're so common. So if that were the case, then women would be, I'm sorry, birthing persons would be being arrested left and right. 
So existing law requires a coroner to register a fetal death after 20 weeks of gestation, unless it is the result of a legal abortion. God, this, this, geez, this just keeps getting worse. Like this, this bill is really, really awful. And so that's the existing law. And then obviously they got rid of it. Uh, uh, pregnancies can end in a range of outcomes nationwide. As many as one in five known pregnancies end in miscarriage in California, as many as 2,365 pregnancies per year end in stillbirth, meaning per- perinatal loss after 20 weeks gestation. Many pregnancy losses have no explanation. People also need to end pregnancies by abortion, including self-managed abortion, which means outside of the... Yeah. So this bill, uh, on that note, this bill is going into effect this year. So that should be interesting to see. Get it on the first or is it going in like July? Uh, Yes. Beginning January 1st, 2023. This is one of the bills that will go into effect. It's already gone into effect. So. Okay. And me being an extremist, um, this is such a segue for assisted um, euthanization of ourselves. Like this is, you know, like, you know, I mean, we we're already on our way there, but you know that this is just going to be one of those things. Well, it's okay to, you know, kill the unborn baby. It's okay to self-induce an abortion. Why, why isn't it okay to help someone abort themselves? (laughs) Yes. It's not funny. I'm sorry. I should not laugh at that at all. It's not funny. It's, it's, it's sick. well, it's funny. Be, it's just so crazy that this is where we've gotten that. Like the left has gotten so obsessed with pushing abortion rights as far as possible that they're just like, California is just trying to out lefty, like the rest of the country and be like, look at how free and open we are. You can self-manage your own abortion. You won't get criminally prosecuted for it. Um, so I like to ask if abortion were done via gunshot, then would you want it illegal? Mm. Yeah, it's a good question because guns are icky in California. Um, which brings us to, I guess, our next uh law, which they kind of like intermingle and sort of what the, the framework of how this bill, this abortion bill is a kind of the mirror opposite of what they were trying to prevent in Texas. And instead California came up with a law to kind of thumb their nose at Texas. And this is SB hold on. I'm going to pull this. SB 1327. 1327. And so basically this was all predicated on the bill that was passed in Texas where uh, private citizens could basically go out and if someone was performing an abortion illegally, private citizens would basically have the right to bring a civil or criminal action, uh, civil action, and sue and then kind of report all these people. And the idea was that you are kind of marshalling all the private citizens to keep an eye out for illegal abortions that are being performed in the state of Texas that would go against their... uh, there, I think it's a heartbeat bill, somewhat like 15 weeks. So in a way, because Gavin Newsom has to pick a fight with every Republican governor that is as popular and more popular than him, 
he said, well, guess what? We're going to do the same thing, but we're going to do it for guns. Um, and basically what it does allows private citizens to collect $10,000 by suing those who make or sell illegal ghost guns or assault style weapons. Um, do, 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 do. And basically it's all predicated on this shaky legal precedence that is also started in Texas. They're not even sure if like Texas can do what it's doing, but California is basically saying, well, if Texas can get away with it, then we're going to try and get away with it. Um, it's another one of those infringement laws on gun rights. Uh, I think it has to do with like manufacturers and retail stores can also be sued for $10,000. It's basically a way to scare more gun manufacturers and retailers out of the state. But it is interesting that the law, the abortion law we were just talking about would is what Texas was trying to prevent, which was illegal abortions. So the Texas, if Texas people could sue California for performing the abortions that are illegal, that's exactly what they're for. Um, right. Tom Matters calls this a political stunt, which it is, but it's like, yeah, they're mad at Texas for, for this, their abortion law. So then first we're like, we're a sanctuary state for abortions. Come to California and we'll help you get an abortion. Mm. We'll help you get an abortion legally. We'll allow you apparently to come here and do a self-induced abortion and we'll make sure that nurse practitioners can inform first trimester abortions all up and down the state where they don't have abortion clinics. So what is the point of this law? Because it's so irrelevant. It's just so this Cal Matters article, uh, they go on to say that, first of all, SB 1327 would self-destruct if the Texas Supreme Court or the U.S. Supreme Court invalidates the Texas law. Secondly, there is very little chance that there would be a successful lawsuit. The firearms that are specifically targeted by the legislation are already illegal under California law, and the major arms makers that Newsom implies would be punished take great pains not to sell the prohibited products. Makers of black market ghost guns could be sued, but only if one could find them. And even if they were identified, they are not likely to be wealthy enough to attract the attention of a fee-motivated attorney. It's interesting, the, the language I'm looking at right now says the bill would make these provisions inoperative upon invalidation of a specified and you know, a specified law in Texas and will repeal its provisions on January 1st of the following year. Um, well, I mean, if a law is found to be unconstitutional and against both the California and the U.S. Constitution, you don't get time to wind it down it's immediately struck down but right. they want to make sure that they're getting say, yeah sorry it, it, the, the article goes on to say finally a federal law rightly or wrongly protects firearms manufacturers from liability suits yeah so this is absolutely a political stunt so uh congratulations your tax dollars well spent on uh, another law that was just a political stunt for gavin newsom and uh Likely, if the Supreme Court ends up turning over the Texas law, this will also go the way of the dodo bird as well. Um, but there is another law regarding guns that they did pass. Let me see if I can find it. And then I'm going to let you pick the next one. Oh, my goodness. I'm looking at all these laws, and there's so many. 
Uh, I don't have it specifically in front of me. They did pass a law that uh, prevents the selling of firearms and ammunition on any state grounds. State, uh, yeah, state grounds, which basically means all those gun shows that are held on like state fairgrounds and stuff like that are basically right. you can no longer have any of those. So. I hope you enjoy so, like your big gun shows, like the Del Mar one that comes down here. Um, well, what's interesting is that brings in money for the state. Yeah, because they I mean, rent it and they pay a whole bunch of money to rent out. That, right, I'm sure every vendor has to get a, a city business license, you know, and then they rent the facility, which makes money, and then of course it brings in tourists, which brings in local money. Mm -hmm. So why would they want to do away with that? Because guns are icky. Okay. <laughs> That's basically California's <laughs> position on all gun stuff. Guns are okay. icky. All right. I've already picked two in a row. So why don't you pick the next one? All right. We're going to go kind of light and silly. The pink tax. Oh, good. Eight, I was eight, 12, eight, seven? That one. That... Yes. <laughs> okay. I was hoping that was the one you'd pick. Oh, no. Um. So this would prohibit an individual or business from charging a different price for a product based on the customer's gender. By banning this practice, this bill would eliminate the pink tax, which supporters call the additional cost to female consumers. Two products are considered substantially similar if they share a brand as well as similar materials, functions, and designs. So um, the bill authorizes the attorney general to seek a court order to stop violations in courts to impose a penalty of as much as $10,000 for the first violations and 1,000 for each subsequent violation. So basically, a product such as razor blades, I guess, shampoo, whatnot, I don't deodorant. Mm -hmm. I guess they charge more if it's marketed towards women and it has more feminine colors. I shouldn't have said women, I should have said different gender. Um, no, I'm serious, I don't think that the word woman is in the bill. So. Um, so it could so be, basically, uh, the, is it a blue tax as well? Like if they over, so if they overcharge guys products because it's marketed towards guys, is that mm -hmm. like the same thing? So like if guys products are more than what women's products are, is it the same thing? Mm -hmm. But, but that's see so many things about this. I sent you a screenshot. Do you have it? I do. Do you get that? I do. Do you so, want to pull that up? Because it made me laugh. Um, like I said, the word woman is not in this bill. Okay. And this was a TikTok that Gavin did a while back. They were very excited about this. So I took a screenshot of the TikTok, the intro. I don't see me, it here. I'm, hold on. Keep talking. Talking for me. Band-Aid. <laughs> so it's pulling up. It's Okay. I really want Talk to amongst yourselves. Um, first off, my opinion on this is that it's not going to lower the cost of items marketed towards females. It's just going to raise the cost of items marketed towards male. Like, okay, we're not going to, you know, lower this pink deodorant. We're just going to raise the cost of the blue deodorant. Bam, done. So that yeah. did nothing. <laughs> like, that's my opinion, of course. But um, he he says. But can you read it to me? Do you? Because it's very small on my screen. Yeah, 
It says products with packaging and design targeted for women cost approximately $2,300 extra a year. Um, And his caption says, California has eliminated the pink tax. Little hand clapping emoji. And then the first uh, comment under is, yas, and we love you. But he says woman. Like. Oh, targeted for women. And I'm not even trying to be funny, but they, they keep doing what they're accusing all of us of doing of this whole like genderizing thing and gender is fluid and how dare we say woman and these products are geared towards women. No, it's geared towards person who identifies this, this, whatever. But yet he goes and uses the verbiage that we're not supposed to be using. And so, and then they call it pink tax because they're associating pink with women, which is a stereotype. I don't care about as I'm wearing pink, but it's just like, you're doing it wrong, Gavin. Yeah. So, on a serious note, aren't we a free market society? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, you would you would think so. Supposed to be. Yes. Um, and, and I guess if you don't like it, or if you know, if you if you don't like these products, I'm going to pull the screenshot away. Um, I mean, I guess if you just don't like it, and you find that these products don't suit you you can just pay for something else um like i've heard before that uh i've heard like friends who i know who identify as women because they were women um say like oh i'll buy men's razors because men's razors are cheaper than women's razors now i don't know if that's true, true. or not but I, true maybe, true maybe and it's they're because totally the same uh, but then maybe they are completely the same and um so I've heard that before. Uh, I pull up this article. I wonder if I could scan real quick. I, I just find, like you're saying, it is interesting that if we believe in gender fluidity and that gender is just sort of this social construct and they say stuff like pregnant persons, then why do they champion these bills that are exclusively for women? Um and it may backfire in a way of like, what if guys stuff turns out to be more expensive than women? And it's the same exact thing. What if I go to pick up a bar of Old Spice deodorant and I go, hey, this Old Spice deodorant is more expensive than the women's Dove deodorant. Like, do I get to make a claim because they're technically the same thing? Like, where? how do you define like what's exactly the same thing? Right. It's kind of like... I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, it's oh, it's kind of like how pharmaceutical companies get to continue the copyright of something and hold the copyright of it or patent for it forever is because they'll change like a little thing here and there. So this drug that's supposed to be generic is now not generic anymore because it has one compound different. So how do you tell if my Old Spice deodorant is the same exact thing as your Dove women's deodorant. And what if I find a men's product that is all natural, like there's some guy's deodorant that's like all natural, it's like $14 a bar. Do I get to compare that to women's deodorant? Like, I guess it's sort of subjective. Um, And I guess it's up to the state to kind of, 
who like who reports this? Is this it private citizens? Because the state's not right. going around looking at Target and going like, oh, these deodorants look the same, but one's more expensive. Guess we're suing Unilever because it's the same thing. If next week you decide to do an experiment to figure out if Dove and Old Spice are actually the same and you're paying twice as much or something, yeah. and then you let the attorney general know and they do, in fact, impose a fine, it's not going to you. You were not hurt. You, the consumer, you don't get that money. It's just going to go to the state. No, no it, do it doesn't help That's me another thing. Like, like they're cheering for this passing of the pink tax and they're going to save you so much money by getting money from the no longer free market. Yeah. Well, it's another one of those laws, I think, that – and people will say, like, the comments all say, like, yes, queen, go. Um, we love you, Gavin Newsom. But it, it's Someone not something – was like, you're my new daddy. Sorry. Uh, that was one of the comments. Uh, they were literally oh, like, God. Yeah. <laughs> I just felt my stomach get queasy. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's not something that's, like, going to change overnight. It's not like you're going to walk into Target or wherever – and all of a sudden be like, oh, my deodorant doesn't cost more than the guy's deodorant anymore. Thanks, Gavin Newsom. Like, it's just sort of like an empty vi victory of like, hey, we did this and we got rid of the pink tax because there's a law. If you want to, you can report it and these companies will have to abide by it. Um, but that's it's not going to overnight like you're not going to, you know, this is a January 1st bill. This is already in effect. You're not going to see a difference right away. But it is what maybe people in the comments who are watching, maybe they they can let me know or let us know. Do they think there's a big difference between guys' products and girls' products when it comes to basically the same thing? I don't know. I don't really look at girls' products when I go into Target. Um, so I know, shocker. Uh, but <laughs> if you want to let us know in the comments, I, I don't think it's a big difference. And again, not really changing sort of the big important issues of California. All right, moving on. Let's see. Do, 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 do. I'm trying to look through all the ones. Oh, there was one I wanted to talk about that is going into effect. It's not going into effect on January 1st. It's going into effect or they are on a timeline. Who knows if it's going to get pushed back or not. It's this whole care court idea. And I'm going to try and boil down what the heck this care court thing is. We talked about it on the last podcast, what care court is. Um, care court is basically people, petitioners can file a petition um, to, 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 to allow for people to sort of be submitted to court if they have like schizophrenic issues or mental health issues. It passed with like resounding support from both parties. Now that's not saying much okay. because the Republican party doesn't really exist in Sacramento, but either way, only two of the state's 120 legislators vote against it. And it was signed into law on September 14th. Uh, it will theoretically, theoretically work like this family, close friends, first responders and behavioral health workers will be able to submit a petition to court signed under penalty of perjury on behalf of a person with untreated schizophrenia spectrum or other psychotic disorders that shows why they qualify for a care court in order to qualify. 
the person must be either unlikely to survive safely without supervision or be a threat to themselves or others without support. The petition must include either an affidavit from a licensed healthcare professional who examined them or tried to, or proof the person was recently detained under intensive treatment. The court would then order a clinical evaluation of the person and review the evaluation to see if the person qualifies for care court services. If they do, they'll get a legal counsel and a supporter, an advocate to walk them through the process, as well as a care plan that can include recommended treatment, medication, and housing. Medication can be court-ordered but not forcibly administered. During 12 months, a participant will have to attend hearings to make sure they're adhering to the plan, and counties are providing the court-ordered services. Following a year... A person could receive another year of treatment or a graduation plan, which would not be enforceable by the court. If a person received the court-mandated services but failed to complete their treatment, they could be considered by the court for conservatorship, though refusing medication alone will be grounds for failure. The idea is to make it easier for people who need help but may not be seeking it to get it before they lose legal autonomy or end up in jail. So... Long story short, it is going to be implemented in seven out of the 58 counties, Uh, San Francisco, L.A., uh, Orange County, San Diego County. I like to say Placer County is another one. Um, I can't think of the other one, but there are seven counties. They're kind of like rolling it out little by little. So they're letting sort of the big counties with probably the most homeless uh try it out first, which probably might not be the greatest idea because they're also the busiest. So there's probably going to be a lot of demand for it. Orange County is ready to go according to them because they said they already have a drug and mental health court. So they're kind of already ready for this. It's an idea to kind of tackle homelessness by forcing a lot of the homeless with mental issues into this care court system, basically saying, you're going to be ordered to go through this mental rehab and all of that. Um, you're, you know, we're going to keep checking up on you. If you're not listening to it, there will be consequences. So you can't fall out of this program. And I guess that's sort of the carrot and the stick. It's like you petition, the court says, Hey, yeah, it uh, looks like you need some help. They're going to order you on this plan. If not, or if you don't make it through the whole 12 months, then we can either have a conservatorship or uh, put you in jail. The problem with this is, is the framework for how they would do this is kind of stymied by this, what they call LPS conservatorships. And I hope I'm not getting like super wonky for the listeners out there who are probably like, I'm falling asleep because I don't have any idea what the heck this guy's talking about. Um, LPS stands for the Lanterman Petrus Short Act, which in 1967 was sort of when they started to phase out mental institutions here in California. It used to be in the olden days, you know, if there was a crazy person on the street, your old paddy wagon can roll up with a straight jacket and say, okay, you're coming with us. You're a little bit of a dangerous society. You look like you're out of your mind. Ronald Reagan of all people was actually the governor when he signed this and started to get rid of all mental health institutions in California, which I think set us on this path of where we are now. So the land this whole LPS conservatorship is very hard to get. 
Um, it's not an easy process. They made it hard on purpose. A lot of people, including one of our favorite state senators, oddly enough, Scott Weiner, has actually been trying to loosen it to allow for more conservatorships of people with mental disorders who are kind of out there. Um, cause they know that this law has gotten a little bit too strict and they kind of need to relax it if they're going to tackle this homelessness issue. So we've kind of come full circle since 1967 where they got rid of the mental health institutions. They thought it was a good thing because they were protecting civil rights. Now we're sort of all the way back around and we've seen the result of 50 years or so, 40 or 50 years of what happens when you kind of let it go for too long. Now you have cities that are basically overrun with homeless people and a lot of them dealing with mental health issues. Whew. So that's going into effect in October. It Well, I should say it's set to go into effect by October. They pushed it back already from June. Now it's going to be October. We'll see what happens. Um, but both of our counties will have care courts by October of this year. So thoughts on that while I take a sip of my tea after all that. That was a lot. I, I feel like, wow, I don't, I don't even, my thoughts are actually all over the place right now. Um, so I don't have any great thoughts well, yet. I will say this. Tell us your and, thoughts. Uh, you know, I'll try to say this without throwing up in my mouth. This lines up perfectly. This will be the first year of Newsom's new administration. So he still has four more years to go. If this ends up being a success, this might be the biggest political success of his entire political career. Um, okay. And it would, I mean, we already talked about he wants to run for president. This would be a huge feather in his cap to kind of say, look, I was the governor. And then you have to put your hands on your hips. I was the governor <laughs> who solved homelessness in California, which nobody said was possible. And everyone made fun of California for having homeless. I solved homelessness. Now, the far left progressive wing of the party, who is all up in arms about civil rights, and you can't just scoop up people and throw them into these uh, facilities or these rehab facilities, uh, may not like it. But when you're running for president, eh, doesn't make that big of a difference to him, especially if he's trying to actually win the White House. But it would be the biggest political victory if it pays off for him. If it turns into a disaster and turns into a boondoggle, completely different story. It'll just be another smear on his whole career as governor. So which way do you want it to go? <laughs> I mean, selfishly, you know, it's tough because I, I want it to succeed because well, it's just begotten, gotten to be such a bad issue in California. I mean, you can't go anywhere. Lots of places in my neighborhood, there's a lot of homeless. Um, we don't even feel safe walking down the street. Uh, you know, downtown has gotten really, really bad under Todd Gloria. Uh, so on one hand, I'm kind of like, eh, we kind of need to do something. On the other hand, I don't want Gavin Newsom to get the political win. But that that's just being really selfish. I lean that I want... <laughs> I want something to be done. Like something has to be done, whether it's Gavin Newsom or the ghost of Ronald Reagan. I don't really care. Something has to happen here with the homeless. And I'll be interested to see 
um, how this kind of pans out in the future. Yeah, it will be interesting to see how um, how long is like because don't they have to kind of report back on things within a you know like a year or whatever? Like, do you know what for the oh, I, you know like what do they decide it succeeds or it doesn't? Um, I, I think there's probably gonna there's probably some oversight committee who's watching all of this and what's going on. Um, right, of course. But the first couple of years are going to be tough because you you don't really have an idea of like how much it's going to cost to do all this mm-hmm. and like the state is basically funding all these counties to do this and put all this into motion um right. they you know they have no idea one of the quotes i saw was even like how many people you have to employ is like a shot in the dark of like you know and are you going to get court appointed attorneys like private attorneys who will work for a reduced wage or hourly wage to do it, um, which is something they already do. They have court appointed attorneys for conservatorships, but that's a different type of conservatorships. So would that be something that they start to implement or ask them? There's a lot of questions. Um, I think I was actually discussing this with somebody on Twitter and they were like, do you have any details? And I was like, no, even someone like me, who's in this area of law and knows this, I'm sitting here going, I, I have no idea. I actually have no idea what, what's going to happen, but it's going to be interesting. So for all the people who are in those counties, keep an eye out because by October, things might change. Maybe they won't change. No, um, hope, it's not, it's not going to change that quick, actually. No. And so I actually think if it is successful, it's not going to be successful the next four years. There's going to be a lot of trial and error. Yeah, And so even if they're seeing some improvement, I don't think it's going to actually be a big win for Gavin during his time here in California as our governor. Like, I, I think we would be looking at closer to like eight, 10 years down the road to really see if there's been big improvement, big success, because like you said, there's so much unknown Yeah, and, and there's going to be a lot of trial and error, which yeah. sorry, conservatives, but we're going to have to give some room for grace for that. We can't start complaining in a year when things didn't literally have this big impact because it's just, there are so many complicated pieces to it. Yeah. And if anybody knows anything about the government, it never gets rolled out perfectly on the first try. If ever (laughs) it gets rolled out perfectly or, or well, and I wouldn't be surprised if there is a ton of lawsuits from like the ACLU that hold it up and like, so I wouldn't be surprised if stuff like that it gets caught in federal court, it gets caught in state court, it goes up to the California Supreme Court. Um, but it did get a lot of legislative support because I guess people were like, well, it's something. It's at least some sort of solution. So, all right. We've got a couple more uh, before we finish off tonight. Is there any that you want to specifically focus on? I think the SB 107 is important, the transgender youth. Um, I would like for you to talk about this because there's obviously a lot of legal stuff. And I have a question for you after you speak. Sure. Uh, So this is one of, was this a Scott? I think this was a Scott Wiener bill. Not surprisingly, it's transgender. No, no, actually AB 107. So it's not actually Scott Wiener. Um, because it came from the assembly. Oh. Let's see. My apologies, Scott Wiener. I'm looking. I'm looking. <laughs> Sorry, Scott Wiener. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, wait. 
SB. Oh, they got it wrong on the article. It's SB 107. I'm looking at the the Fox 11 article that lists them all out. Do I retract my apology? My apologies to Scott. No, you can, yeah, absolutely retract your apology. Um, <laughs> no apologies, Scott Wiener. <laughs> no apologies, Scott Wiener. Uh, I, I I had a feeling this was his bill because he always tweets about it and brags about it. Uh, <laughs> the bill aims to stop other states from punishing children who come to California for transgender surgeries and other gender-affirming care. Is designed to stop Texas and other conservative states from removing children from parents uh, who allow them to receive gender-affirming health care defined as medically necessary health care that respects the gender identity of the patient as experienced and defined by the patient. That would include hormone therapy to suppress secondary sex characteristics and other treatments to align the patient's appearance or physical body with the patient's gender identity. The law will block out-of-state subpoenas, stop health providers from sharing information with out-of-state entities related to gender-affirming care, and it would give California courts authority to make an initial child custody determinant if the child is in California to propose obtaining gender-affirming care. Yeah, this one is... Excuse me. This one has a whole bunch of legal issues because first off, if these are true children and they are minors, you don't have the authority as a state on its own to basically tell the parents to go pound sand if they're in another state. So if a child decides against their parents' will, I'm going to somehow get to California, I'm going to get this surgery. I don't know how they're going to get this surgery unless someone's paying for it. Um, or like an aunt and uncle or like, but the parents still have legal control over their children. So the fact that California is basically saying, nope, if a state says, Hey, bring my children back. They're not supposed to be in California getting gender affirming surgery. California is saying, yeah, we're not going to listen to your subpoenas and we're not going to abide by it. And it's interesting in the text of this, the United States Constitution generally requires the state to give full faith and credit to the public acts, records, and judicial proceedings of every other state. Existing law authorizes upon the demand made by another state the extradition of a person charged with committing an act in the state that results in crime demanding state. Existing law sets forth procedures by which a person may enforce a judgment for the payment of money child custody issue orders by the court of a state other than California. So Scott Weiner already admits in the first opening line that the United States constitution requires that states give full faith and credit to their laws and their proceedings. This bill basically says, shove it up your bum because we're not going to listen to that. So while we say that we're not going to listen to it. So if Texas says you need to send these children back. We have a child custody order. California is going to say, nope, sorry. Go pound sand. So I think there's going to be a lot of issues. I would be surprised if this becomes, I wouldn't be surprised if this actually gets sued in federal court and it actually makes it to the Supreme court, because this is a big constitutional question of the full faith and credit clause of the United States constitution. And can states basically just tell other states to go, you know, go shove it because we want to push this radical agenda and you can't make us say no or do anything else. Even though, and this is all what we were saying before, is that California doesn't view you 
as the parent of your child, California sees themselves as the parent of your child. Even if you're you're from out of state, they still see it as your child. So those are my legal is, thoughts on it. Is there an age minimum in this, like, uh, three-year-olds, like, five-year-olds? What What is the age minimum here, if any? Ten and up? Like, like define child in this bill. I want to know that. Yeah, that would be, in, you know, let's see. We'll do a control F. Age, not agencies. Marriage. No, that's not what we want. Huh. No, it doesn't say it doesn't give an age. So I guess any child. So really. I'm sure that'll be challenged. But then also, uh, like for divorced parents in their custody agreements, it will talk about most likely if you were smart in your custody agreement, it's going to talk about medical decisions with the child you know, gets to get. And yeah. so imagine like, you know, one parent is anti the gender affirming care and the other parents like, well, we're going to California and you can't do anything about it. Like that's going to get challenged right away in those in their home states, at least. Yep. Um, so that'll be a whole mess there. And this is just sad anyway, like performing hysterectomies on girls, like, Rinse your body. Don't do that to your young kid. There's all like your rib cage falls. There's constant pain, not necessarily all the time. I don't, I don't have one. I was reading about them, but I was, cause I was like, what, you know, if they start performing these things on women that are sometimes necessary, like what happens with the girls? And then it's like, why, why do that to these young girls? Anyway, that's a different topic, but yeah, uh, I try to be, I guess as a Californian, I try to be as libertine in a lot of my social stuff in terms of, you know what, man, you do you like you're a, you're an adult. You can do what you want. I'm not going to sit here, it's not adults. but exactly all of a sudden I turn into a complete, like I go on the opposite end of the spectrum. I become like Mussolini where I'm like, nope, you start touching kids and you start dealing with kids and all this stuff. Nope. I put my foot down. This isn't allowed. Like, just stop. Like, and, and this is what I think bugs me about Scott Weiner, and why I, I have this compulsive need that every time he tweets out something stupid, I have to kind of reply to it because I just feel like I always have to get a word in with him. Um, and I'm glad that he finally got put on blast on the national stage for that. Like foe. Did you, that, did you follow that? The whole foe, like voicemail or whatever he, he did the Jesse Smollett. No. Like, he like oh, wrote geez. out okay. in his Apple notes, like the voicemail of supposedly because Charlie Kirk put Scott Weiner on blast for mm -hmm. I, one of the weird things. Charlie Kirk tweeted or posted it to his like national audience. He's got millions of followers. So everyone came out of the woodworks and was like attacking him on social media. And so he showed a transcript of, uh, voicemail that somebody left and it was like the most stereotypical like hey you know maga this uh, blah 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 and like you should go and die and da 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 but it's like okay well if you have the voicemail just you can screen record it and you can play <laughs> us the voicemail instead he just had like an apple note with it with the transcript of what they what they said 
Um, Let me so guess, he deleted it before he could record it? I guess, but yeah, I, that's not how transcripts come forward. They don't come through into your Apple Notes. Um, <laughs> so a lot of people called him out for being the new Jesse Smollett for pretending like he's a big Good. victim. I mean, it's, that's a dumb thing to call him out for because there's a lot worse, but start somewhere. Yeah, I think there's a lot more uh, anti-Scott Wiener people out there than there was before. Anyway, the point of what I was getting at was when it comes to kids, like just the kids, leave the kids out of it, you know, just leave the kids out of it. And the, there should be this whole, like, let's just start basically allowing the trafficking of children across state lines to California so they can do these gender affirming surgeries. It's just so odd to me. And it's just like, I don't know. I, I, I I don't know what else to say besides just like leave the kids alone and, and stop pushing all this stuff on them. So I don't, this is a horrible law. I hope it goes up to the Supreme court and I hope the Supreme court knocks it down and saying like, you can't do this and you can't tell other States to go pound sand when it comes to custody battles and what children can do. And um, so, yeah. I mean, that's been the big thing is always trying to take, away parental rights like you say leave the kids alone yeah that's been one of our biggest fights yeah leave the kids alone it's like yeah that, gun rights yeah leave our kids so, alone leave our guns alone yeah just leave us alone yeah just basically all yeah. of that leave us yeah. alone uh let's see let's yeah. see we can see we can round out with a couple more um uh, because there's a whole bunch but uh, the Lunar New Year is now a state holiday. So, Good. Good. I've been waiting on that one. When? <laughs> uh, to celebrate today, in 2023, the Lunar New Year falls on January 22nd. Oh, holiday coming soon. So uh, I don't know if my work recognized it, but I'm going to ask. I'm going to say, uh, you know, the Lunar New Year you is better. now a state holiday. Workers can also choose to take off Genocide Remembrance Day, which is April 24th. That sounds like a cheery holiday. Juneteenth or Native American Day, September 22nd. So there's like, and then there's Cesar Chavez, which the courts are actually always shut down for Cesar Chavez Day. Um, wage transparency. Uh, this requires companies that employ at least 15 people to include salary ranges in all job postings and provide them existing employees upon request. Uh, so it just gives information about salaries. They're going to be like $1 to $1 million. <laughs> it could be anywhere <laughs> between those things. Or I guess minimum um, wage, not a dollar. fifteen fifty, because that's the new minimum wage now because of inflation. Yep. So that's another one. Like 15, 15, 50 an hour to $1 million an hour. 1550 is new. That went into effect. Um, it was yeah, $14 that was an hour and $15 an hour for employers. Uh, at, least, at least six cities raising their minimum wage higher than fifteen fifty. I know San Diego just raised their minimum wage to sixteen thirty. Um, yes. That should be great for small businesses. Uh, we talked about jaywalking, uh, hit and run. There was another one I saw that I thought, oh, this one. This one's really interesting. And I thought... This whole thing we were talking about, like California misgendering and kind of all going against their not walking the walk and talking the talk. 
they want to do this new thing called the feather alert. Did you read okay, this? I saw one? that. Yes, I'm familiar. Mm -hmm. uh, so for people listening, the feather alert allows law enforcement agencies to request the CHP to initiate an alert when an indigenous person has been kidnapped, abducted, or reported missing under unexplained or suspicious circumstances. Um, consistent with the department's existing amber, blue, and silver alert, this new feather alert program encourages the use of radio, television, and social media to spread information. I just found were that. They... Yeah, go ahead. Were they pre? I'm serious. Were they previously excluded from amber alerts? That one confused me. I'm more focused on the fact that they decided to call it the feather alert. Oh, okay. For yeah, indigenous I people, I mm -hmm. was like, oh, okay. I mean, mm -hmm. that seems like you I kind see of where you're going there. One of the most stereotypical things about indigenous people of feather, yeah. like feather headdresses and stuff like that, which not all indigenous people wear. Uh, but sure, that'd be like if a Mexican person went missing, they'd be like a sombrero alert or something like that. That's what it makes me feel like. So, and I can say that because my wife is Mexican. So, <laughs> okay. She'd probably find that hilarious. <laughs> uh, but now if you see an alert on your phone for a feather alert, you know what a feather alert is. An indigenous person has gone missing. I think that's basically it. The rest of them, I'll post the links in the show notes if anybody wants to kind of go through these themselves. And again, there were a thousand, almost a thousand were signed into law. 997 go through them all. God bless you. If you can, these are just sort of the highlights. Um, so were there any numbers. laws that you actually liked? Whether we talked about them or not, yeah. did California pass any laws that you agree with? Toll exemptions for some veterans. I saw this one. This one looked good. Uh, if you're a disabled veteran, Pearl Har Harbor survivor, prisoner of war, or to veterans who have received distinctions such as the Purple Heart Congressional Medal of Honor, if you get plates that show you're a veteran, uh, you won't have to pay tolls on any roads or highways. A veteran or all the things you just listed in addition? Uh, it only applies that are issued to those things, those disabled okay. veteran Pearl Harbor. So not all veterans, but I mean, it should be all veterans, but it's a, it's a nice little gesture. So I don't know. I, 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 I'm not a fan of passing more laws just for the sake of passing laws. So mm -hmm. it is tough for me to say, I like this new law. Um, nothing stuck out to me as like, I'm glad this law is going. Oh, um, there was a law about criminal records uh, before, and this is also getting sort of like legally wonky. It used to be when you wanted an expungement, you could only get an expungement of your record if you were on probation and you completed your probation. But if you were sentenced to prison, state prison, you could not get an expungement. Um, I do like that they've expanded that so people can get a second chance if they've like, they had to go to state prison for something. They've done their time, completed their sentence, moving on with their lives. They never want to do anything again. They can get the expungement. I know some people will probably think, you know, you're getting letting people off and all that and stuff. And I'm, eh, if you served your time, there are certain, yeah. certain crimes though that if you committed that you can't, that you're you're not allowed to. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's 
it's a lot to do with like sexual crimes. Um, right. That usually like whenever you've been convicted of that, there's no chance of you ever really getting any sort of second chance. Um, serious or violent crimes as well. But you know, if something that sentenced you to state prison and you can get expunged. So if you've done your, I guess if you've served your debt to society, you can get expunged and move on with your life. So mm -hmm. I like that. That was pretty good. Are there any laws that you liked out of all of these laws? Is it the pink tax? You're happy the pink tax? <laughs> no, well, that didn't do anything for me. Um, and like I said, free market it just does away with free market. So that annoyed me uh, because there should be, people should be allowed to compete businesses. A law we didn't discuss that really annoys me is the uh, DNA for rape kits that can, they cannot be used to solve oh, yeah. other crimes. That, mm -hmm. that frustrated me because we should definitely have a database of rapist DNA to help solve other crimes, but that they're now exempt, I guess, that it's, if you know, basically any DNA from a, a rape kit can only be used for that crime, not against other, like they can't, I guess, say, oh, it's a match for this. Yeah. Yeah. That's an odd one. I, you know, there's some things that they pass. You're like the legislature and they couch it in like social justice and all that. But in reality, the way it looks to most average Californians and people is it just seems like you're trying to help criminals more mm -hmm. get off and, and not like we should be mm -hmm. cracking down. Like crime is the number one issue, one of the top issues in California, along with homelessness and you're making it easier. So um, but that's something I never understand either, though, is that we're so like worried about abortions for women who were raped, but we are not worried about the rapist. It's like, no, this woman shouldn't have to go through this pregnancy, but that man should be free. Like, let's be yeah. soft on crime for the rapist. So let's not use his DNA to see if he also raped other women. Let's, you know, let's put him in jail for a night. Also, things that cannot be used to convict a criminal uh, are rap song lyrics yeah that was that was a big thing i think who was it who was one one famous like la rapper was involved with that so like even if your rap lyrics say like i want to kill this person like they can't use it in court um that was i guess a big issue oh the bill known as decriminalizing artistic expression aims to restrict the use of rap lyrics as evidenced by prosecutors in criminal cases um, the law would require judges to press prosecutors on the purpose behind including lyrics as evidence and inter interrogate whether doing so injects racial bias into the proceedings. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So, I don't know. I guess uh, you didn't like the fur ban. Are you a big fur fan? I saw that. I saw that one too. And I actually started, I was like, is taxi Jeremy illegal now? Like I was like, literally like trying to, and I'm like, whatever. And I just closed my tab. It doesn't apply <laughs> to products or those used for religious or tropical purposes. Um, and it excludes the sale of leather, dog and cat fur. That sounds yeah, weird. Why would I anybody was... want to wear dog or cat fur? But I, can keep, I can keep my cat. I have a nice cat fur coat. What are you talking about? I have no fur coats. Cowhides, deer, sheep, and goat skin, and anything preserved through taxidermy. 
So, okay. Okay. I was, I, I was surprised that California, I just thought fur had fallen out of vogue so much because of the social pressure campaign that I just figured it was already banned across the country. But now <laughs> California is the first state to ban the sale and manufacture of new fur products. So <laughs> go California. That would, that go was a big that was something that I'm sure everyone was really worried about was the scourge of fur products in California. Hey, all those celebrities. Sorry. I was going to say all the celebrities that are getting those posed naked for PETA. It was important to them. They stripped down for animals. I'm sure that's all they did it for. Yeah. (laughs) For all (laughs) altruistic reasons. That's why I'm sure they all got naked. Um, All right. So with that, like I said, I'm going to put the links in the show notes if you want to go look at them some more. There's a lot. So, um, like I said, we're not, we weren't going to be able to get through a lot of them. We got through probably about, um, I would say, less than 1% of them tonight. <laughs> but I think we got through the big highlights. We, I think we got through the big ones. And it was, we've been talking for an hour and a half. Um, yeah. So I'm sure we'll see another glut of, 1200 bills coming down the pike this month and next month. Um, and we'll be following those as well. Yeah. They started yesterday session. So I'm watching. want to see Hopefully one day comes in California where we don't need to feel the need to pass 1200 laws every single year, uh, just to, for the sake of passing laws. Um, hopefully maybe someday we'll get there. Uh, but I just don't understand why legislators, this is why I think state legislators need to be part-time jobs because there's no reason to have 1,200 bills and 1,000 yeah. new laws every single year passed in California. It just gets to a point where you're like, what are you legislating on? Obviously, fur bans and mm-hmm. pink tacks and bicyclists and lanes and stuff like that. That's what you end up legislating on. So any final thoughts, Camille, before we sign off for the night? No, I think we talked long enough. Excellent. All right. As always, uh, if you want to support this channel and support this show, make sure you send it to at least text it to one person, send them Facebook messenger. If you know, you're still on Facebook, Instagram, whatever it is you do. Um, that's the best way to support this show. Make sure you subscribe to this channel, whether it's on Spotify or YouTube or Google or Apple, make sure you leave a review, all that stuff. Um, and it's every Thursday night at 8 PM live on YouTube. And then you can go listen to the audio or watch this video later. So with that, have a good night, everybody.